Hey everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles, and today we're going to be talking uh, with a panel of architects who did not take the traditional path to licensure. Uh, during this episode, we're going to talk about why they wish they had gotten licensed sooner, and you know, with the idea being that when we're done with this uh, episode, hopefully you can sort of appreciate their advice, and maybe that'll help motivate you uh, to get the ARE behind you. Um, our next ARE live broadcast, uh, we're going to share research about some of the most effective ways to learn and retain information so you can prepare your study plan and gain confidence that you need to sort of pass the ARE. There's some really interesting research we've uh, discovered, and so we want to share uh, some parts of it with you guys. Um, some updates to our products. As you may have heard, Black Spectacles is the first ever NCARB approved test prep provider for all six of the ARE 5.0 divisions. Um, and then also, if you're looking for support and structure while studying, um, you can join one of our group coaching uh, cohorts. Uh, registration for our next cohort um, begins tomorrow, um, and that cohort launches in October. And actually, uh, Don and Jorge are both um, uh, participating in that program right now. Um, also, as I always like to tell people, if you'd like your boss to pay for your Black Spectacles membership, be sure uh, to tell them about our firm licenses. Whether you work for a 10-person or 10,000-person firm, uh, we have a variety of options for, for firm licenses. So you can visit blackspectacles.com slash firms to learn more about that. There's a form. You can fill out that form and get a little bit more information from the guys on our uh, firm team. Uh, and then lastly, today we have a special discount on Black Spectacles individual memberships to share, and I'll provide that coupon code at the end of the show, so stay tuned. Our guest today, um, two great guests. Uh, my first one is my old friend Jorge Barrero. Um, Jorge and I worked together uh, back in our days uh, at Gensler. Um, Jorge is now a Regional Design Director and Vice President with Global Architecture uh, at, a, uh, at HKS uh, with 20 years of experience. Um, in all aspects of architecture, from design, visualization, computation, fabrication, lots of Asians there. Um, mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, Jorge is currently part of our ARE group coaching program um, and is already, uh, you know, four for four on his exams, which is awesome. Um, and our other guest is uh, or Jorge. Hello. Hello. <laughs> say hello to everybody. Thanks, Mark. Um, and then uh, my other guest is Don McKinnis. Don has over 18 years of experience in architectural design. She's worked on a variety of US government classified and unclassified contracts, including the Department of Veter Veteran Affairs projects, as well as residential and commercial facilities. Um, her work has focused on research, development and design, project management and coordination. And she's also, as I mentioned, currently part of our ARE group coaching program, studying to pass the ARE. So welcome, Don. Thank you for having me, Mark. Happy to have you. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and jump in here. Uh, with our first uh, item for discussion. So there's this idea out there um, uh, that um, life gets more complicated um, as time goes on, as you get older, um, and that, that perhaps that's a, a, a rationale for trying to get licensed sooner rather than later. Um, Jorge, um, can you talk a little bit about your experience with that, this idea of life gets more complicated as time goes on? Of course, uh, happy to. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, having been working for 20 plus years and having started a family 15 years ago, um, I always thought the the time where my kids were younger was going to be the busiest. And as it turns out, that's not the case. Um, the older the kids get, the busier they get, which means the busier I get. And so, um, as your career advances as well, your responsibilities grow and 
the more that you have to do at work. So, so things get busier um, and they hence get more complicated. So finding time to study uh, changes, right? I, I had to, I couldn't just, you know, thinking about taking the ARE, I couldn't just think back to the way I studied for exams back in college because I didn't have kids or a career. And so I couldn't just revert to that sort of method and, and trying to fit in focused time and, and quiet time and dedicated time. Um, I had to sort of carve it out in smaller chunks throughout the day uh, in order to do that. So you're, you're, so things get more complicated and you have to almost change the way you're used to doing things. Um, and so, so to that end, it complicates it. Um, so if you are not prepared to do that, it definitely uh, makes it a little harder. Yeah. Um, Don, what's your experience with this topic? So similar to Jorge, um, right after graduating from college, a year with, within that year, I had my son. Huh. And I was really gung-ho to get into the industry and really do all the good work I was dreaming of doing in school. But as soon as I had my son and I was working, my focus shifted. So it, it changed from wanting to advance in my career to now focusing on providing for my family. And at that time, I was a, a single mother, so it was all on my shoulder. So I had to make the decision to focus on um, making moves in the industry that would help me provide for my son rather than um, help me get more exposure in different areas in the architecture industry. So there were some projects that I couldn't do because I had a child at home to take care of. And there was some travel I couldn't do because of that same thing. So I waited and I pushed off um, taking my exams because I really didn't want to miss any of the time with my child. So my entire focus on my career changed um, once that happened. So, and I notice now with the with the um, the licensing procedures, you can sit for your exam earlier, which I think is a mm -hmm. great thing because things do begin to happen as you start to work and as you start to learn more about life. So the sooner you can get it done, it really makes it easier. Yeah, I think the other thing, I guess from my seats, um, to add to this is, and maybe get your guys' comments on. I mean, I, re I mean, I remember being young in my career, and it felt like there was this mountain of work on my desk um, as a practicing, you know, young architect. And um, man, I don't know. Like you look forward, you know, ten years or even twenty years. Um, it's not easier. It's not like the work at hand becomes less or it easier. Um, I'm curious, uh, Jorge, what you think about that in terms of work? Because like we're right now, we're talking mm -hmm. about kids yeah, and course. kids. And the, so yeah. what we're basically saying is, if you have kids, life gets more complicated. Um, but maybe even for those folks who don't have kids or mm -hmm. don't plan to, um, how does work? How does your workload change as as, as time goes on? Um, well, certainly the workload gets, I mean, there's a, there's a baseline amount of work that we always have at our desk, right? Yeah. So I think the, the complexity of it, um, may change over time, but mm -hmm. the, the key is always to, um, to, to have just a good support system, right? At, at work. And, and by that, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to work, uh, with a team of people so that, um, 
you know, we, we support each other and, and other of my team members are also taking the exam. So we basically have each other's back. Mm. Um, so if we know somebody's going to be out because they have to study and take tests, um, you know, we, it's, it's full on support to say, yeah, go do it. Mm -hmm. We'll cover you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everything gets reciprocated. And so I think it's important from a work point of view to, obviously meet your responsibilities, right? Because we all have to, and we've all committed to do that. Uh, but solicit the support of your firm, which yeah. I think most firms actively do. So I don't think that's that hard to do, but it's, um, you know, mentally and, and for yourself really define um, that time when work ends and your study time begins when you go home. Um, I know I have a hard time separating those things for me i always bring home with me uh, the work maybe not necessarily things that i'm working on but i am constantly thinking about work 24 7. so i had to make a very conscious effort to mentally have that break um, in order to 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 be able to turn off work and focus on the exam uh, knowing that it's going to be a temporary situation hopefully right yeah um and then resume normal activity and you know think about work nonstop. yeah so would you say like as life went on it's not necessarily that um the workload got more complicated um so maybe that's not really an issue here but instead just like um regardless of of whether it gets more complicated or time consuming or not the 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 wisdom here is to um uh, is to find a support system within your firm and then be disciplined about sort of structuring your study time. Yeah, I mean, I think the amount of work probably goes up and down, right? We all have deadlines and it's, you know, maybe cyclical to a project. Right. But I think as an average, everybody, you know, we all work 40 hours a week, maybe up to 60 at certain peaks, et cetera. We have a certain average. I will say when I was younger and I was not focused on taking the ARE, yeah. I just worked as much as I could because I could. Yeah. Not necessarily because I was being asked to do that. Uh, so as an average, you know, I think there is, there, I don't know that the, the, I think the work is always there mm -hmm. and you do as much of it as you want to do, mm -hmm. really. <clears throat> I had a, my, my original boss right out of school, um, notoriously kicked us out of the office at five and I was very fortunate at the time to do to, to have that extra time but I hated it because I was young I didn't have any kids and I had you know I was not getting paid all that much so I needed extra money and I was willing to work as much as possible and he religiously would take us out of the office at five and he said go have a life work is still going to be here tomorrow work yeah. is always going to be here so you know i think everybody kind of has to look at their own circumstance but um yeah i think there's always a baseline yeah don um, what are your thoughts about this topic um have you observed that as your work life you know sort of went on um it, things got more complicated or or not so much and how do you handle that i suppose so similar to jorge like the the workload didn't actually change it was just the way i had to harmonize work and family that that changed as the years went on because there were certain things that uh, my son needed that changed as he grew older and there were things that i needed that changed as i grew older mm -hmm. um in my company um it's a large company so i did have the support and 
the people there, whether they were engineers or architects, they understood the process of licensing and needing time to study. So I, I had that support there had I needed it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just for me, mindset wise, I was not in the mindset of getting licensed. I was more yeah. in the mindset of just working. And that was the shift that complicated the process for me. I had to make that shift to, you know, remember you do want to get licensed. You do want to get back on that track because mm -hmm. there will be work there for you. There will be projects to work on. You know, they do need your expertise, but there's this part that you need to, to accomplish that only you can do that you mm -hmm. need to focus on. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to stay with you, Don, for the, uh, for the next one here. Um, okay. So, um, Another thing we we've heard quite a quite a lot, um, and 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 really frankly experienced uh, as we've talked to folks who've gone through this process of getting licensed, mm -hmm. um, is that too much professional experience can actually uh, create a problem for you. Um, and uh, and Don, I'm kind of curious what you think about this and and how this how you've observed this in your experience. Yes, um, especially in the industry that I'm currently working in, there is mm -hmm. a certain way that the government does work. And most of the time, it doesn't really connect with real world experiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in studying for the exam, I really had to disconnect all of these years of experience to study for this exam. And in the beginning, when I was taking 3.0 and 4.0, it was very challenging for me to pass any of the exams because I've taken them all, but I didn't begin to pass them until I re recognized, Dawn, you have to forget everything you do all day long and just study the material for the exam. And I really feel, as you're mentioning here, if I didn't have those 13, 18 years of experience in a certain topic, it would have been easier for me to make that shift. But mm -hmm. when you're day-to-day -day managing projects a certain way, doing drawings a certain way, putting packages together a certain way, it becomes challenging to just turn that off and mm -hmm. just study what's in a book, you yeah. know, because it, it's a disconnect for you. So if I was able to get in on this studying process earlier, I don't believe that would have been so challenging. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Jorge, what are, you, what are your thoughts here? Um, I, I agree. Um, there's... You know, having been working on architecture for 20 years, um, I've learned a lot, um, but it, not all of it is applicable to the exam. So there's definitely um, an amount of information that is specific to the exam. Um, you know, it, it's really a baseline, what NCARB is looking for. So you really need to study um, that material from the eyes of NCARB and what it is that they're asking you. And mm -hmm. really just answer that question. Don't answer your opinion of that question. And I think that's where it can trip you up. However, I will say that uh, having taken in some of the exams, um, there was a couple of maybe I'll just say very good educated guesses that probably saved me on a couple occasions uh, of things that I did not anticipate. And having done projects of you know let's say historic restoration nature or things of that uh, that I knew what the answers were on the ARE um, and that was you know purely based on experience. So I, I think there's a positive and a negative, but I would err on the side of just focus on what NCARB is looking for and don't provide your opinion of what you think the answer should be yeah. and stick to that. That's interesting. Don, I wonder, um, maybe even in your coaching group that you're in, 
uh, with black spectacles, mm -hmm. um, but also your experience um, taking the test. Um, I know we've had a number of folks who, for example, they only worked on interior renovations of retail projects for 20 years, and then they step up to take the test, and suddenly, you know, they've mm -hmm. never drawn a wall section before, they've never, you know, done a roof detail before, um, mm -hmm. and this test is written from the perspective, as best as I know, um, from the perspective, or sort of as the core, like a commercial architecture project, sort of a mid-sized office mm -hmm. building, you know, in the suburbs or something. Um, have you right. observed people having problems in your coaching group um, as a result of having sort of uneven experience or too much experience, et cetera? I believe so. Everyone in my coaching group is kind of in the same boat as me. They've been in the industry for like over 15 years working on their different projects. And then when they have to turn to focus on the study material is very different from what they've been doing on a regular basis. So we have people in our group who they, they do commercial, but it's very different from the commercial that NCARB is focused on, on these exams. So it is a, it is a shift it's, it's things that they need to study that they've never actually had to work on before. So that becomes a challenge for them to, like I said before, turn off what they've been doing on a regular basis and learn something that appears to be completely new for them because that was not like the niche that they've been working on all these years. So um, maybe if we were two years in, it wouldn't be that difficult to shift, but 15, 20, 25 years, it becomes a challenge. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of feel like the message we're trying to send here is, um, in a way, having some experience, and I think the NCARB, if you, if, whoever's listening to this, if you were to go to NCARB and download their, um, every year they do an annual report called NCARB by the Numbers, and there's a chart that I was just looking at this week, um, and it talks, it, it shows you the pass, the average mm -hmm. pass rate based mm -hmm. on how much experience you have, and there's a really interesting little, little, like, uh, peak, I suppose. And it peaks at, I think, like two or three years of experience. So it's lower if you have less than that, and it's lower if you have more than that. So like that's kind of like the ideal target zone, which, by the way, that coincides with, remember, um, you know, uh, five years ago, um, before NCARB made a bunch of changes to when you're eligible or whatever, you had to wait basically mm -hmm. three years and go through all of your AXP, formerly known as IDP, um, hours before you could take mm -hmm. the test. So I feel like there was probably some logic to that. Um, so I think the, the takeaway is about having some some experience, but maybe as you move along, it can be it can cause problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, I think if you're able to um, use your your experience to the advantage to your advantage on the exam, I think that's great. But it's definitely can be a little risky at times if you start to cross over into, you know, well, this is how we've always done it kind of a thing. And right. that's where you can get into trouble. So yeah. I think the one thing that's ingrained in our coaching group, it's always read the question, understand what the question is looking for and answer that. Don't focus on this is how my firm does it, et cetera, et cetera, because that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. And CARB doesn't care what your opinion is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Okay, so we'll move on to the next one, Jorge. We'll lead with you on this mm -hmm. one. So uh, the, the topic here is about failure, it being sort of inevitable. Everyone who I know um, who's gone through the process of getting licensed um, has failed at least one exam, some people multiple exams, some people multiple exams multiple times. Um, I know I failed uh, uh, along my uh, road to get licensed. Um, I guess I'm curious, what is your thoughts about sort of handling it and uh, 
uh, how, uh, yeah, how to handle it as you sort of sure. encounter it? Um, well, I mean, I think that the, the key is to understand what failure is, right? Because I think a lot of people or some people may, may interpret failure as not being good. <laughs> uh, but in, I think it's important to take a different perspective of it and understand that failure can be a good thing because we all fail all the time at many things, not just the ARES. And, uh, you know, I did take four exams right out of the gate. I passed all four and then I took a fifth one and I failed it. Um, and so um, it, you know, it's, it's really about going back and just assessing where you went wrong and identifying the weak spots. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, basically what I told anyone else that has failed in our cohort and other people I know, hey, you know, there's nothing, it, 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 it's not a judgment, it's not a, a looking down on anyone. If they fail, it's just chin up, study and, and take it again, right? That's that's all we can do. No different than learning how to ride a bicycle. My daughter fell 10 times before she stayed on. And it's just get back up, get back on it and do it again. Um, interesting for me, it was good from um, a perspective of, of, you know, being a dad of three kids to one in high school, one in middle school, and one in grade school, uh, when I gave them the news that I failed. Um, I think they were more sad than I was <laughs> because my daughters, you know, she looked at me, it's like, but dad, you studied so hard. And I said, <laughs> yeah, so and, and that's okay. Yeah. It just means I need to study a little bit harder. Uh, but it's, it's not a, a bad thing, right? I identify the issues and it's, and it's okay. You just move on. So you get up, you dust off and and then you do it again. So it's, um, if failure is, it's inevitable for everyone. So, um, no, 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 no need to look down on yourself. Just do it again. It's okay. That's awesome. Like what a great <laughs> life lesson to, you know, especially uh, being someone who's, yeah. uh, uh, who's a family, uh, what a great life lesson to teach your, your kids to, for them to watch you, you know, mm -hmm. try really hard at something and fail. Yeah. Um, and what a great lesson that is, uh, for, for them, you know, as they sort of look into the, into the future, Don, um, I'm curious what your thoughts are here. Um, and what your experience has been around sort of, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, getting tripped up on one of the exams. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning I did not take failure very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not. I'll, I'll admit that myself right now. Um, <laughs> taking the earlier exams when they had the vignette sections, which I'm so excited those are gone. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, taking that part, it really hit my confidence because I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I do this every day and I, I know what I'm doing. Why can't I pass these exams? Mm -hmm. And I, in the beginning, I took it personally. I'm like, well, maybe I can't do this. Maybe this isn't the field for me. And I went down that path for for a few years. I, I completely stopped everything um, in the area of architecture. I, you know, I still went to work, but I had to really pull myself back together and remember why I wanted to get into this industry in the first place and what this license meant to the good I wanted to do in the world. And I really had to shift my mindset. And watching my son, um, he's in school, he's in college now for engineering, but mm. he had this this mindset, like I'm gonna be an engineer. And he, he maintained that no matter what happened. And he was so committed to it, no matter, you know, 
what was going on in his life, he always came back, I want to be an engineer. I want to be an engineer. And he did it. And just watching him maintain his, you know, kind of his internal GPS system of what he wanted to do, it reminded me to get back in there and accomplish the goal I desired to accomplish. And if you, if you fail an exam, get the information that you needed from what happened, mm -hmm. take that to help you pass it the next time. And that's the shift that I had to make. I'm like, this is not failing you personally as as you know an individual as a person who has all this experience you just failed this test and i had to disconnect the test failure from me as a person failing and i think a lot of people in this industry there is a lot of pressure and there is competition sure. and as a female in this industry there isn't a lot of us a lot of the time at the table so mm -hmm. you put all this pressure on you to compete and to feel relevant in the industry, but you really have to separate yourself from that and recognize you are studying to take an exam. You are not studying to prove that you're worthy. And that was a big thing for me uh, to shift and do. And once I made that shift, I started passing the exam. It started to make sense. It started to click. So all those failures in the beginning, they were kind of necessary for me to get to this point where I shifted and saw, Don, this is not about you personally being, um, you know, creditable yeah. and worthy and good enough. It's just you're passing an exam so you can get to the next level. Yeah, that that's really, really powerful. Um, it's that it's not about your worthiness. Mm -hmm. It's not, a, uh, you know, try to disconnect your, your person and the results. Um, that's yeah, such an awesome absolutely. thought. And so cool. Again, like how awesome that. Um, you know, as the adult and the parent that, mm -hmm. you know, we all have something to teach, but also something to learn uh, from our kids. Absolutely. Um, yes. That's really awesome. Um, trying to think if there's anything else here. I just know that like so many people, we hear it all the time. Somebody fails a test and they're like, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. This is stupid. Yeah. Or as you say, they take it personal. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, um, and we've been doing all this work with NCARB to try to understand all the intricacies of how the test works. Um, and they always remind us, remember, we're not testing for like expert level knowledge. We're just testing for minimum competence. Right. right. Um, and right. so to your point, like even that, even that idea suggests that this has nothing to do with like, um, how good of an architect you are. That's something that Mike Newman often talks about, right? right. This, yeah, this isn't about architecture. <laughs> this isn't about design. Think of this as just a puzzle, um, that you have to basically learn how to solve. Um, sort of like this abstract thing that you have to figure out how to tackle or, or beat, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. All right, so then um, let's go on to the next one here. Um, and Don, I'll start with you. So okay. um, the rolling clock. Um, I'm still not sure if I know what the heck the rolling clock is. <laughs> I guess it means you have like five years to complete all the yeah. exams. Um, and then if you wait too long, then um, I don't know, they torture you or something. I'm not sure what happens. Don, <laughs> can, you tell, that way. <laughs> yeah, can you talk about the rolling clock and what the heck that's all about? Sure. Um, so the rolling clock, they give you five years to pass all your exams. And if you mm -hmm. go over that five year mark, any of the exams that you pass, you, you lose if you didn't pass all of them. So I actually did lose an exam um, when we switched from the 4.0 to the 5.0. And that was, <laughs> that was another hit to my confidence. I'm like, yeah. okay, do I really need to do this? I mean, I 
couldn't handle this in five years. Maybe I shouldn't. So it's, you know, all the, the head game stuff that you're doing. But um, yeah, I think it is, it is a good way to keep you focused and to keep you on track. Mm. One thing that has really helped me to understand is when you begin the momentum of studying, taking the exam, passing the exam, studying, taking the exam, passing the exam, that momentum keeps you going. It keeps you excited. It keeps you engaged in the process. And this five years is this like momentum wheel that they're giving you to make sure you stay in it and stay committed and stay focused. Because if they gave you, I feel personally, if they gave you like this unlimited amount of time to get this done, you wouldn't get it done. Yeah. You wouldn't feel like you have a definite end goal and you have to take committed daily steps to get to that end goal if you didn't have that that five-year period that they're putting on you. And I know a lot of people, just the idea of clocks kind of throws them off. I know when I'm taking the exam, I try not to look at the clock counting down because it kind of <laughs> raises my anxiety. But mm -hmm. in this case, um, just looking back now, I really do feel like five years, you should be able to knock out these now five exams. So yeah. I, I think it is a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, Jorge, what are your thoughts on this one? Sure. I mean, I'm on a 20-year rolling clock <laughs> myself. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. And I think the more years they give you, the more you probably can put it off. So it is nice to have constraints. I, I One of my least favorite words in the English language is deadline. And I'm sure a lot of people can sympathize <laughs> with that that are online. But um, you know, the deadlines in a way are good because they keep us accountable. So I think this is kind of a five-year deadline to get it done uh, once you start. So uh, having those limits definitely help you at least start the process of getting some rigidity and, and commitment to this process. Um, and I think that's, for me, the biggest reason to join the coaching and what I found most helpful was that accountability. So the more things in place that would hold me accountable uh, to be able to focus on this, get it done, stay the course, um, I felt like the better I performed because then it really just uh, in a way forces you to, to do it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I still have plenty of time on my rolling clock. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just another thing for, you know, another, I guess, mechanism to, to stay committed. But more importantly, I think just mentally you have to commit to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just stay the course. Uh, having said that, it is nice to have uh, some time so you're not feeling like, oh, you, know, you have a year or two years. So I think five years feels about right. Certainly, uh, it's enough time to pass all the exams. Yeah. Um, and so for those of you who've never heard of the rolling clock or you're like me and still don't really understand what TIGA mm -hmm. means, um, I believe that um, either NCARB or the state, um, your state, uh, but I believe it's NCARB, sort of establishes the rolling clock for you. And so if you don't know where you are on your rolling clock right now, um, I'd log into NCARB and, yeah, and try, big to, countdown try to, there. okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, I know a lot of things have changed, yeah. but uh, so yeah, just make sure you're aware of that so that you know where you stand. Because God, that would suck to lose one of your mm -hmm. exams. And Don, I'm so sorry uh, yeah. that that happened to you. Um, uh, Jorge, we'll go to the uh, our last uh, question here topic, I suppose. Um, getting licensed boosts credibility. So <clears throat> this is really a question or a comment. 
getting at, um, I guess, as you move along in your career, not having your license can be a problem. Uh, can you talk about that? Sure. Um, and, uh, and, and, and how it relates to credibility. Yeah, I mean, I think the licensure is definitely something that's required, right, to be a practicing architect. We all know that. Um, it's definitely, um, you know, a, a measure of someone's, as you mentioned before, um, sort of base knowledge and competency, right? Not that there's there's people, right? Uh, there's several of us that um, have not gotten completely licensed yet. Doesn't necessarily mean we're not competent, we're not good at what we do, but this is just a measurable way to say, hey, here's here's the, the license, we meet the basic requirements, right? And so from a professional point of view, uh, there's a there's there's a level of comfort and then there's also a level of accountability uh, that you are committed to to the to the practice to yourself to your goals um, and some firms you know it becomes a requirement as you advance in your career um, for promotions or you know different roles or that sort of thing. I mean, some jurisdictions or some projects actually require that the staff is licensed. Um, and we, you know, we've been on proposals where um, you know they require either lead AP um, licensure, et cetera, et cetera. So um, again, it's just a way to have all the boxes checked um, so that you don't have any sort of hurdles along the way. Not to say that you can't have a successful career without it, but I think it does make the road a little harder. The, the climb is a little steeper, and so. If you can take the time to get it done, it does make it a little bit more of a smoother path along the way. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Don, what has your experience been on this topic um, around, you know, sort of how you can progress in your firm um, and otherwise? In fact, you mentioned it uh, early on uh, that it's been a hindrance to you. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so in my firm, getting your license will help you get on the path to more management and leadership roles. And if you don't have your license, you're kind of, there's a ceiling that you're going to hit. No matter how many years you have experience, no matter um, how much they know you, you're capable of doing this work, it's just that you don't have that credential. And on paper, they need that in order to justify, you know, increasing your pay, giving you more responsibility. So it definitely has limited where I can move in, in my organization. And um, in the state of Maryland, they only allow you to use the title architectural intern. No matter how uh, yeah. long you've been out of school, you're still yeah. an intern technically. And that didn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All. So I used, the, um, I used the term architectural designer. It feels a little bit better, but still, it's still not what I want. And it's still not what I went to school for and the goal that I ultimately want to reach. So it's kind of personal and professional for me in terms of credibility, because I, I know the work I did in school to get to where I am right now. I know the work that I do in my firm and the benefit that I provide to my firm. And I want to be able to have that title attached to it because I know the work I put into it and I know the value that I bring. 
And since that is the way the industry is set up, it's something that I do want. And I, I don't want questions as to whether or not I'm capable of doing something just because of a perception. Well, she doesn't have that RA, so can she really do architecture? You know, because people who don't know, you know, you would question a doctor who does not have an MD. So, you know, they kind of, they would kind of assume the same thing, at least in the circles that I, that I frequent a lot. So it's very important, especially in government work, um, as Jorge was talking about, on proposals, they're looking for certain qualifications. And if you don't have it, you can't bid on those projects. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to make myself more credible in the professional environment. And there's also my personal my personal life, just to show mm -hmm. that, yeah, you, you can do this and it's possible for you. So that's why I keep going to gain this licensure so I can have that credibility. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um... And uh, inspiring. In fact, I have to say, I'm looking at the, the questions and comments uh, that have come through here. And although you can't hear them, I'm not sure if you can see them, Don, but uh, you're getting like tons of high fives. Um, oh, Angela said, you. Don, you're an inspiration for all women who are trying to get their license. Thank you for being here. Nothing happens for a reason. Um, that's one I got to, you know, um, I don't know, just a bunch of support uh, for what you're, you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So um, awesome. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any uh, specific questions that might be helpful for everyone. Um, a, a comment here from Mikhail, um, who mentioned he's, uh, as a 50-year-old with 25 years in the, the field after, uh, after degree, um, would echo what um, we're talking about and said that, <clears throat> um, uh, would add, uh, don't let people in your firms hold you back either. Some firms are actually afraid of the competition. Um, and actually, Jorge, you said mm. you know, most firms support you. We've actually heard, um, you know, uh, of numerous firms who kind of don't, yeah. um, uh, or who more, much more focused on just getting the work done and deal with your license on your own, mm. and aren't super supportive. Um, and so, if you're in one of those firms, that you know, number one, this is the be one of the best times to be looking for a new job. So, <laughs> um, so that's one part. <laughs> the other thing is, um, you know, you may have to uh, find the support that we've talked about. Um, to sort of overcome uh, any impediments that might actually be in your firm. Um, let's see here. Some of these questions are really specific. Um, um, yeah, I think I think those are those are the good ones uh, right away. Um, yeah, that's a good question, Jennifer. Um, uh, uh, Jennifer asks, have any of you ever been on the verge of losing an exam and kicked it into gear at the last minute and then passed? And if so, what were your strategies? <laughs> I don't know if either uh, of you are done. The answer is yes. Mm. Tell me, Jorge. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the, I can't remember the specific, it was one of the P's, uh, P, P, uh, no, sorry, construction, uh, Project management, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, it was, and and then I got to the, to the last case study, right? So if you know the exam, you have questions at the beginning, uh, 80, 100, etc. And then there's two case studies, and then I got to the last case study with 10 minutes left, um, and I knew I it was going to be a crapshoot at that point. Um, luckily, 
the last case study that I took, um, I was able to answer eight of the 10 questions without looking at the case study itself, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the strategies that you know we, we learned and, and we talk about in our coaching and I'm sure in other forums. Um, you know, sometimes those questions you can answer without the, the actual data on the case studies. Um, so I, I just, I was just random luck. I think I was lucky that I knew the answers to most of those questions, uh, but literally I had about, yeah, 10 seconds left on the exam and I had no time to go back. And, uh, you know, luckily I passed it, but yeah, it definitely came down the wire. So, um, and I had prepared and everything, but I was not prepared for that. And that was just a, a game time, you know, kick it into gear and, and hope for the best. Yeah, that's awesome. Don, <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on this one? Um, that actually happened with the last exam that I took, and that was um, project management <laughs> as well. <laughs> there um, you go. I mean, I was getting down to the end. I was going through like the questions that I marked to go back on, and you know, some of them I didn't have the answers to, like off the top of my head. And I just powered through the ones that I knew for sure, and I didn't. Like mentally, I didn't quit because sometimes when you get to that point, you're like, you know what, there's no way I'm going to pass this exam. Let me just stop now. I did not allow myself to go down that path. I'm like, you know, this information you studied, you have this answer what you can, let the clock roll down and then you're done and it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And I just had to kind of give myself that little pep talk, like don't quit before you're done mm -hmm. just because it kind of it looks it looks like it's going to be a fail. And it ended up not being a fail. I, you know, you can see the provisional pass or fail before you leave now. Mm -hmm. And I saw a pass and I'm like, okay, let's go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I mentally did not allow myself to go down that path. Well, it looks like you're gonna fail. So yeah, you did just give up. You, yeah. you, really, you really have to take charge of your thoughts with this exam. You can't allow yourself to um, beat yourself up while you're still in the game. You know, because mm -hmm. you, you, it's easy to do that because you're, you're fatigued, you're tired, you've been studying, the exam's long, the facility might not be that comfortable, you know, but yeah. you have to kind of pull in that inner strength and tell yourself, you can do this, finish strong, and then we'll see what happens after that. But don't quit mm -hmm. while you're in it. Yeah. That's awesome. Jennifer uh, mentioned to us, she's the one who asked the question. She says she's taking the exam tomorrow. Um, so she's thankful for your comments. And I will say this, um, uh, something again that Mike talks uh, often about is uh, sometimes the best way to study for the test is to just take the damn test. Yep. Um, and not, <laughs> not study so much. Um, and because, and in fact, he has, he said this in dramatic fashion. He's a, a, I'll never forget it, like going five years back to when we first did our first um, like actually did a lecture together, um, or he did a lecture in person at AIA Chicago, and he started off by saying, you know what, if you guys were all MBA students and you weren't architects, half of you would just take all the tests without even studying. He's like, because you would just know based on laws of probability, you'd probably pass half of them without even studying. Now, I don't know of anyone who's actually, you know, taken that, uh, taken that challenge. Uh, but maybe we need to do a promotion yeah. like that called the, the no study challenge. But um, hey, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? You fail and you take it again. Um, certainly time uh, and money is involved, but right. um, uh, sometimes yeah. that experience of going through the test is just as valuable. Um, I have to yeah. say, uh, there's uh, so many comments and questions here. I want to thank everybody for, for their comments. We're trying to answer them as best as we can as we go along here. Um, 
but what I'll uh, ask uh, uh, you, Jorge, um, is do you have any additional uh, tips or suggestions if you're someone who is, and I suppose maybe let's think about this in two ways. If you're a young, uh, someone early in your career, um, and you're thinking about, and, you, and it's just, man, you're like, forget it. I got other stuff to deal with. Any any additional tips for them? And then if you're further along in your career, and you know, I think someone was just mentioning in here, where are they? 50th birthday birthday coming up um, in 2020. If you're one of those folks, uh, how to think about this? Um, well, I, I guess from a tips, whether you're young or or you know older. Like like me, <laughs> I would say um, I think the, the the first thing is to be comfortable, get comfortable to taking the exam. Period, regardless of the the material. I think there's uh, definitely an advantage uh, when you go into the exam uh, knowing what to expect, right? I think it's studying the material and knowing the material is one thing. I can imagine, I'm sure for a fact, I know if I had never taken a practice exam or trying to figure out my strategy ahead of time and just going in based on pure knowledge, I definitely still would have struggled probably a little bit more than than, than if I hadn't, right? So um, practicing your routine is gonna be important because when you are in the in the test center and you go in and you sit down and you go through the motions and the screens um it's all automatic right now at, at that point it becomes you know it's like muscle memory all i'm focused in is on the question that's going to be come at me and the knowledge i have to answer it i don't have to worry about um, you know, how to navigate the exam, because that in itself uh, can throw people off, because the computers can be a little slow, getting to the tabs might be a little slow, um, you know, remembering formulas, etc., writing those down ahead of time. Uh, so my routine, just, you know, for reference, if anybody's interested, um, basically, I took as many practice exams as I could. I took the exams, uh, not in quiet places, but in busy places, usually my living room with my kids running around. So it was very <laughs> Very distracting uh, but on the plus side I knew there was no it, there's no uh, there's no wrong because um, it's a practice exam right and it really forced me to focus on the question so it was almost like a mental exercise to understand what they're asking me while there's all this chaos happening mm. and so when in the actual exam is nice and quiet there's no distractions it, it became a lot easier for me to focus uh, because you know i was trained to focus with chaos around me so i took as many of those i would take them uh, with exact collateral that i would have at the exam with two number two pencils with you know a couple sheets of scratch paper um headphones on just quiet headphones um just at least to simulate that experience physically you know what i was going to wear how i was going to feel um and then ran through the entire exam uh, and and more often than not i took them in the evenings and that was just for me because if i took them in the mornings i felt that after taking a practice exam i was done i couldn't go back to study anymore but this way i would take a study at the at practice exam at the end of the night and then I'm fried. I just go to sleep. <laughs> um, but then, um, you know, try to really mimic what that experience is going to be like. Get really used to the calculator. Get used to the resources for the actual exam. Um, every time I went in, um, you know, start the clock of the actual exam, I would do a brain dump and I would write down all the things that I did not want to recall. Um, 
that were fresh in my mind. So I would just write everything down that I thought might be useful. Um, that way um, I didn't have to, you know, if the question was thrown at me again, I just focused on the question. I didn't have to try to figure out the question and remember the formula because the formula was written down. So it was right there. Um, and then also I would go directly after my brain dump, I would go to the case studies, look at those resources because a lot of the resources for the case studies are sometimes useful for the exam as reference too. Um, so that was, again, just to understand what is in that exam that can help me um, in any, any question, not just the study question. Uh, yeah and not just the case study questions. Um, and then, yeah, just basically just sort of plow through it. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing for me, um, I try to take the day off before the exam to just kind of review. Um, and, and I know that's not always the case, but, you know, I, that if you can, I, I would recommend it. Uh, and I am not a morning person, so I always try to take my exams in the afternoon. That way, in the morning, it was just sort of, I, I didn't really study too much in the morning, so I would just kind of review my notes, but, you know, had a good breakfast, make sure I was calm, and made, gave myself plenty of time to be relaxed and uh, go into the exam and, and give, it a, give it a good shot, so. Awesome. Um... Don, do you have uh, uh, any parting words here for folks, additional tips um, as they consider doing all this? I do, I do. Um, so there are three things that I just kind of took notes on really quickly. Um, and this is this can go for both people if you're just getting out mm -hmm. of school and you're kind of new in the industry or if you've been in it for a while. Um, get your license and then focus on the niche or the area you really want to get deep in in the industry. Um, because having all of that extra um, opinion or, or perspective going into studying for the exam can just add extra burdens to your process. So focus on just studying to pass this test and then you can really get into how you want your architecture career to look. I think that's really important for people who are just um, starting out on this journey. Just get mm -hmm. your license and then you can start crafting your um, career the way you desire for it to look. Um, and kind of connected to that is familiarize yourself with NCARB's expectations for this exam. I know for me, that was a big um, shift for me to see what exactly does NCARB want me to know in order to pass this exam because again it's competency it's not perfection it's not mind-blowing design it's competency can you check off these boxes can you demonstrate that you know these concepts so familiarize yourself with what NCARB is asking you to display on this exam don't overwhelm yourself by trying to just read every book on architecture and lighting design you know all this stuff when they're not even asking you for it so you know, decrease the overwhelm and just familiarize yourself with what they're actually asking you for. And then finally, um, and this, this kind of goes more towards mindset and just personal um, development. Remember why you want to be an architect in the first place and really figure out, do I really want to be 
um, sometimes when we're younger, we're kind of pushed down a path because our family or something we saw in movies and we're really not connected to it. So that makes it harder for you to actually study and remain committed. So kind of figure out why, why am I doing this? Why do I really want to do this and stick with that? And that fuel will help you study and craft out your schedule to sit down and study and to learn new things and to connect with group, to be a part of group coaching that will give you the accountability to stay on your course. But if you really don't know why you're doing it, it's going to be very hard to remain committed to a study program, to taking these exams and pushing through them. So reconnect with your why that you had when you first started mm -hmm. college. And That's if you never sat down to develop a why, this might be your opportunity to do that. So you can keep the momentum going and really conquer this dream that I know a lot of us on here are ready to achieve. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for that, Don. Um, I think you uh, totally nailed it. Um, so, um, so we'll go ahead and let, let's go ahead and close on on that on that point right there. Um, so, um, a couple uh, things to close out here. Um, so first of all, uh, thank you, Don, and thank you, Jorge, for participating and sharing your stories in this. Uh, based on the overwhelming um, uh, comments and, and support for everything you guys just said, <clears throat> um, I can tell that uh, this really resonated with a lot of folks. Um, there was, like I said, there's a lot of comments. A number of them had related to, hey, what's the right schedule to get on to study? Um, you know, what are some good study materials and practice exams and, stu and stuff? Um, Obviously, uh, here at Black Spectacles, we do, we have study materials, so we have lectures and practice exams that simulate the in-card experience in flashcards. And we also have the group coaching program. Um, so, of course, we're biased um, about what the best uh, materials are, uh, but we have the full suite. There's certainly other resources out there that other folks use in combination with ours. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we also have this group coaching program with which Jorge and Don are both in. And what that is, is basically you get paired up with a recently licensed architect who is your coach, and we actually create a schedule uh, for you to go through. And it's usually a six to seven month um, schedule where you take all six uh, exams in, the, in that time period. Um, and so that's a more intensive, uh, you have regular meetings and then you get access to all of our, our material. Um, so that's that's sort of what we do. Uh, of course, AIA chapters often have things, um, and again, there are other um, there are other resources that are out there. In terms of what the you know the best and ideal order to take the tests in and and and, and scheduled for studying, um, the truth is that there isn't one right answer, um, and I don't even really think that there's a consensus um, on you know, what the right thing is, because it, it's kind of personal. Um, it depends on how much time it takes you to study. It depends on, um, you know, where your experience is and, you know, where you think you can gain the momentum that, uh, that Don was talking about. Um, so some folks start with the tests that they think are the, the most relevant, that they think that they, sorry, not the most relevant, but they have the highest probability of passing. Others look at the exam and realize it's sort of laid out like the design process from conceptual design through schematic and DD and CDs and then construction administration, and they just sort of take it in that linear fashion. Um, so again, there isn't a really one great answer. One thing we have observed here at Black Spectacles with all the folks that we've um, we've worked with um, to try to get uh, get licensed is if you take too long to study, um, it can kind of be pointless, if that makes any sense. In other words, this idea of momentum, I think, is a real thing. Um, and so we actually used to have a coaching program that was uh, it gave everyone two months to study for every test. And what we found was that 
you lose your motivation, you lose your, mm-hmm. your intensity, you lose your focus. Um, and so the idea of, I think most people kind of take about a month. Some people can do it a little bit faster. Some t- people take a little bit longer, but I think as a guideline, that's probably like a reasonable idea. In fact, Jorge and I uh, were talking with uh, with Bryn here, who, who, who she runs our, our coaching program uh, for Black Spectacles. And he was suggesting even sometimes you need a break as you go through the whole process. Um, taking all six back to back might be too much. Maybe you need a break. So uh, a couple of just a couple of uh, comments there just to give some folks um, uh, some insight. Um, but to bring this to a conclusion um, for our next ARE Live pro- podcast. And again, if you're not subscribed to our ARE Live, which is our free podcast, um, it's on iTunes, it's on Android, it's on Stitcher. It's also a YouTube series. So um, if you're not connected to us in those places, go ahead and do that. Um, and then you can take it with you. Um, I try not to listen to ARE Live in my car, but I can, which is kind of <laughs> weird. Um, but anyways, um, you can do that. Uh, I know many people listen to it in the car or on their commute or whatever. Um, so at our next uh, ARE Live podcast, we're gonna, as I mentioned, we're gonna share research about the most effective ways to learn and retain information so you can prepare your study plan um, and you know get the ARE past you. Um, uh, we're, we're posting a link uh, to register in the chat box uh, in the GoToWebinar control panel, or you can just go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to sign up right there. It's right on the top of that page. Um, as I mentioned earlier, to, to learn more about our ARE exam prep curriculum, you can visit our website, blackspectacles.com, where you can try out any of the course videos. And if you are interested in a firm uh, membership and want your boss to pay for your uh, your access to Black Spectacles, you can go to um, our the firm page on our website. Um, and again, uh, to learn more about firm licenses for firms of any size. Um, to learn more about the differences between the individual and the firm subscription, you can check out Black Spectacles ARE product demonstration. Um, in this video, our account executives, Ty and AJ, are gonna walk you through why a firm subscription is the most efficient and least expensive way to get access to our content. Uh, we're dropping a link right now uh, for that demo in the chat box as well. And then lastly, for those of you who are ready to start preparing for the ARE right now, you can use coupon code LIC92419PC to get a 15% discount. Um, on your entire duration of your ARE exam prep membership. And then finally, tomorrow we're going to send you an email follow-up about today's live broadcast. So please let us know what you think and share any suggestions you may have. Uh, I promise we read every word that you write and use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for watching.